Glad you're here. Welcome to Centerpoint Church. If you're joining us in person or online, I'm glad you came. My name is John Hanson. I'm lead pastor here, and I'm glad that we can be together for a church in one, uh, is one body in lots of different places, whether we're at home or here in person. So uh, I just, uh, I wanted to also let you know that we are getting ready to do a Thanksgiving turkey drive. We're going to be doing that starting next weekend, but if you're not planning to be here next weekend, you can go to our website and click on where it says CP Go, and you'll just see information about how to provide a Thanksgiving dinner uh, for somebody in need. And I just want to make sure that we all have a chance to participate in doing that. Last year, we had about 400 people that we provided Thanksgiving for, and this year, we're hoping to uh, do better than that, because there's lots of people that need that kind of a blessing, especially this year. So again, if you're not going to be here next week to be a part of the in-person, uh, then just go on our website, mycenterpoint.tv, and click on CP Go, and you scroll down, you'll see about how to give a turkey to somebody in need, or hold uh, dinner to someone in need. So I've got a brother-in-law who is a Navy SEAL, and he's kind of a, a big deal guy. I mean, he received the Medal of Honor. He's a, he's a legit warrior, right? And a couple years ago, we were visiting them back, in, uh, back east, and I was just talking to him in his garage uh, while he was doing a, a workout. He had Metallica blasting the song, I am a warrior. And I'm like, you legitimately have a right to do that workout with that song. I don't know about anybody else, but you do. Anyway, we were talking. I was just asking him, how do you, how do you guys do that? I mean, Marines generally and Navy guys and Special Forces guys. How do you do these things that you do that are just so larger than life, these missions that seem just so crazy and impossible? And he said, we train to dominate VUCA. And I said, what you're probably thinking right now, what? <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, we train to dominate VUCA. And of course, I needed a little help to understand what he was talking about. And so he just sort of broke it down for me really quickly. And, uh, and, and VUCA is this terminology that a lot of people in the military uh, are familiar with, but it refers to four particular things, and, and it's volatility, it's uncertainty, it's complexity, it's ambiguity. And he was telling me, as special forces operators, this is what we do. We train to dominate VUCA. He said, because VUCA, all those four things, they produce an, an immense amount of stress if you're not ready for them. And if you don't manage stress well, it completely messes up your ability to perform, to do what you need to do. And so he said, we train to dominate VUCA. And you know what's interesting is in this last, uh, I don't know, five months or so, I feel like I've heard like 10 different podcasts that have all touched on this term VUCA because uh, for obvious reasons, we're all living through the year of VUCA, aren't we? Right? We're living through times that are definitely full of VUCA. I mean, there's volatility, check. Volatility about everything. Volatility uh, in the streets with riots and civil unrest. Volatility over racial tensions. Volatility over our own responses to a pandemic. Volatility uh, in a worse measure than probably a lot of us have seen it in a long time. Volatility at every turn. And there's uncertainty for sure. Uncertainty about, well, what is going to happen? Is, is there ever going to be an end to this, uh, this pandemic? Is, uh, there's uncertainty about uh, what we should or shouldn't be doing about it. There's uncertainty about the economy. Uncertainty even in, in some personal ways about, uh, about our jobs or about our own finances or about our small business. I mean, there's uncertainty that we've been wrestling with. And there's complexity. For sure, there's complexity, an immense amount of complexity. There's complexity, I mean, even just socially, there's complexity about, well, uh, where, where does she stand with regards to this whole issue? I don't know, you know? There's complexity. For anybody who's a leader of anything right now, there's a high degree of complexity. Because if, if someone's a leader, they're dealing with a, a bunch of different people, and all of those different people are all across the spectrum on all of these different issues that I've just mentioned. And if there's a leader, there's a lot of complexity, even just in the interpersonal arena. But then you add on top of that, if, if somebody's a leader, there's complexity about how do we follow all of these guidelines and, and protocols and new orders that are changing every other week and color-changing games and whatnot. There's an incredible degree of complexity. Check. And there's ambiguity. It's ambiguous, right? It's like, well, can I even believe this news report? 
or what about that one? I don't know who to believe. I don't know what story is right. I don't know what angle somebody's trying to, t- trying to you know, get over on me with the, the news and the way they're you know, skewing it and spinning it. And it's ambiguous. Like it, Last month they said something different. Now they're saying something completely opposite. And the ambiguity is also stressful. So we've got VUCA, a high degree of VUCA. And my brother-in-law said, we train to dominate VUCA. And in a sense, we also train to dominate VUCA. We might not use that language, but we do. And our training is the training of faith. Because our faith is what allows us to overcome the VUCA that comes our way in whatever form it comes. And so in this message, this, what I want to talk about is the need for us to do some faith training so that we can overcome the VUCA. But you know what? In this series, uh, it's important that we recognize something. That the scripture doesn't use the term VUCA, but it definitely talks about some, uh, some spiritual VUCA of a certain kind in Galatians chapter 5. And it talks about it like this. And this is sort of the backdrop for this series. It says in Galatians 5.19, when you follow the desires of the sinful nature... The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, Envy, division, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's kind of some spiritual VUCA, if there ever was any. And the, the truth is that God is always wanting for us to recognize the damage that gets done when we give ourselves over to participating in the spiritual VUCA and, and those things that I just read. That God, because he's a merciful, good father, is always wanting to draw us away from the dark side. And into his goodness and light. God, because he recognizes the treasure that is there in the relationships and in our communities, that there's so much damage that gets done through the spiritual VUCA stuff that I just read. And so God's desire is for us to not head into those things, but instead to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. And in following the leading of the Holy Spirit, to walk in different ways, to live in a different kind of a reality altogether. And it is an exercise of faith. It is a reality of faith to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. But when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, we don't have to end up with all the spiritual VUCA nastiness that I just talked about. Because the Spirit produces something different. And that's what we are talking about in this series, Throwback. Galatians 5, 22, it says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All right, so this series, Throwback, is about throwing back to the basics of what we really need in our own lives, in our relationships, in our community, and that is these fruit of the Holy Spirit. And the fruit that I want to talk about today is the fruit called faithfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. Faithfulness. If you read from the King James, it just simply says faith. And this is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It is something produced by the power and presence of God in your life, in my life, simply because we're, we're walking in step with him. But at the same time, it is also something that we get to choose to live into. It is something that we get to decide whether we're going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in manifesting and living out and uh, leaning into And so today, I want to ask you to embrace this fruit of the Holy Spirit called faithfulness and decide that you are going to be a person who dominates spiritual VUCA and that you do it by walking with the Holy Spirit and by living out the spirit fruit of faithfulness. Everyone say it again, faithfulness. Faithfulness. This is something that God, I believe, wants for each one of us to grow in. So this word faithfulness, and like I said in in older translation, just say faith. There are kind of two sides to this word. And on one hand, the word faithfulness, it simply means what you already can anticipate it means. A trust and confidence and reliance on God. I mean, that's, 
obvious, but it needs to be stated that that's what that is, faithfulness, being full of a trust and confidence and a reliance on God. It's easy to say. It's a different thing altogether to live and to do. But I said there's two, two sides, two aspects, two kind of main factors to this word. And one is uh, a confidence and trust and reliance on God. But the other side of this word faithfulness is being a person who is able to be relied upon. Being a person who is reliable. But what I find is that to become a person who can be relied upon, who is reliable, requires that I be a person who is reliant on God for everything that I need. Because then and only then will that, uh, this, that characteristics of faithfulness, of being reliable, flow into and through my life more powerfully. And so this is what we're made for, to be people who live out faithfulness. And so my message today, if you want to write it down in one sentence is simply this, I form my life around faith in God's faithfulness. I form my life around faith in God's faithfulness. I want you to say it after me, I form my life around faith in God's faithfulness. I don't wanna just form my life around faith in faith for faith's sake. I don't want to just form my life around faith in, in some other people that probably are going to let me down at some point. I don't want to form my life around faith in myself because I do have some good days, but I also have plenty that aren't so good. I want to form my life around faith in what will be unshakable, faith in what will last forever, and that is the faithfulness of God. He is always faithful. He has always been faithful, and he always will be faithful. I want to form my life around faith in God. God's faithfulness. I want you to think about his faithfulness for a moment. Lamentations, the book written by the prophet Jeremiah. Lamentations 3.23, it says this. It says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I mean, that's not just a, a hymn's title from back in the day. That is a revelation from the prophet Jeremiah in Lamentations 3.23. Say it, great is your faithfulness. Come on, this is a declaration about what is true of your heavenly father. Great is your faithfulness. In Psalm 35, or sorry, sorry, Psalm 36, verse 5, it says, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, and your faithfulness... It stretches to the skies. And that's not just a line from a good old third day song. It's a biblical revelation. Your faithfulness stretches to the skies. I mean, if you could just take a, a look up at the night sky, and if it weren't cloudy, and you could see from one end to the other, even more vast than that is the expanse of the faithfulness of God. It just doesn't stop. It just doesn't end. It is endless. His faithfulness goes on and on, and you can rely on it. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this. It says, even when we are faithless, God, you remain faithful. Come on, anybody glad about that? God, when, when we are faithless, you remain faithful. And, and I'm grateful for the days when, when things seem to be rocking and rolling and I'm strong in my believing and my faith is full. But then there's those other days and I'm grateful for this revelation that even when I'm faithless, he remains faithful. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't walk out on you. He's there for you with his rock solid foundation, which is his faithfulness. Not yours, not what you're bringing, but what he has already brought. Even when we, we remain faithless, he is faithful. Second Thessalonians 3, 3, it says, The Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. Did you hear me on that? It's, it says, The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. What this scripture is revealing is that God's faithfulness is exhibited in a particular kind of a way, in his willingness to bring strength to you when you don't have any left. His faithfulness shows up in his willingness to give a sustaining to you when you feel like you're ready to give up. That his 
faithfulness is accompanied by his promise to bring into your life protection when you are feeling oppressed and afflicted like there's arrows flying at you. His word says that he is faithful and because he is, he will bring strength to you and protect you from the evil one. Somebody shout amen. That's his faithfulness. I want to form my life around faith in God's faithfulness. The scripture I read in 1 John 5, 4 says that everyone born of God overcomes our the world and this is the victory of our of that overcomes the world our faith i want to form my life around faith in god's faithfulness because you know what i can't stop the vuca from coming your way in fact it's already here 2020 says you're welcome right the vuca is here and we can't stave it off it's just there but what we can do is cultivate and recalibrate our our spirit around faith in God's faithfulness and to remind our own souls that he is in fact faithful, that he doesn't quit, he doesn't give up, he doesn't walk away, and that he is faithful. Come on, somebody shout, he is faithful. So there's one, there's one scripture I want to bring you to in particular, and that's maybe predictable, but it's crucial that we hear it today, and that's Hebrews chapter 11. And this is what it says, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And this is what the ancients were commended for. Don't you want to engage in the very thing that the ancients were commended for? The ancients, like David, the ancients, like Aaron and Hur, the ancients, like Moses, the ancients, like the prophet Isaiah. Don't you want to do the very thing that the ancients were commended for? You can say yes, come on. Yes, we want to be that. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. This, this is one of those verses that maybe you've heard so many times you could just kind of rattle it off, but it's still important that we, that we have it in mind. And I want you to just hear it again, verse 1, one more time. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And what happens in the rest of Hebrews 11 is 21 times this phrase, by faith, is used. 21 times, again and again and again, to highlight ways in which God's people came and found victory. And it was through faith. It was by faith. It's an important expression, but it's not just meant to be an expression that describes a bunch of people back in the day from the Old Testament. It's meant to be something that would describe you, by faith, you wrote the next chapter of the book that you've been working on. That by faith, you continued to love him, even though he was not being very lovable. That by faith, you found a way to give generously to this family that was in need, even though you weren't sure if you were going to make it. That by faith, that you found a way to, to, to forgive this person where it was just seemed so treacherous what happened, right? By faith. Someone say, by faith. Let's let those be words that apply to us, that one day it could be said of us in the great books that keep the records of all eternity, the books that are opened up one day in all eternity that describe you and me, and, and may there be chapters there, at least sentences that say, by faith, look what she, look what she did. By faith, he continued to persevere through this illness that threatened to take him out. By faith, she leaned in and didn't give up on that daughter who was addicted, but continued to pray that a breakthrough would come, and it did. By faith, come on, say by faith. God, let that be true of us, that we would be people about whom it could be said, by faith, we overcame by faith, we persevered. By faith, we walked on. By faith, we did what only could be done because of the presence and power of God in and through our lives. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for. If I'm hoping for something, that means I don't currently have it. Right? I mean, that's obvious, but it needs to be identified. Because so many of us are living through that tension even right now, aren't we? There's something we're hoping for. We're hoping that peace would come in this circumstance. We're hoping that, uh, that, that freedom would come in this situation. We're, we're hoping that, and on and on it goes. And that tension is the birthplace of faith. <laughs> if everything was already exactly like you were always dreaming of, you wouldn't need to have much faith. But the tension between 
where things are right now and where you wish they would be, what you hope they could be like, that is where faith is born and strengthened and stretched and developed and grown. And, and it would be a mistake to try to skip past the opportunities that the tension presents us to see the very most important thing developed and grown. So, so faith is, is the evidence of things hoped for. Another translation, the King James puts it like this. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith, it says, is the substance of things hoped for. Everyone say substance. That means you, you can feel it. You can touch it. it it's a thing. One of the people that I've, uh, I've treasured is uh, Bishop T.D. Jakes. I've read and listened to so much that he's uh, written and, and said about the subject of faith. I, I'm sure that some of what I'm saying probably echoes things that I've learned from that great one. But one of the things that T.D. Jakes has said is that faith is a, a, a kind of a currency. It, it is... Uh, it is something in particular, he said, faith is an instrument of exchange. And I love that view of it. Faith is an instrument of exchange. But uh, to kind of take this a little bit further, maybe I should put it like this. Uh, right about now, uh, because it's a little cool and it's the end of the day, I'm thinking, you know what would be really nice is a, is a nice uh, vanilla latte. Or if it's the beginning of the day, a hot vanilla latte, but caffeinated. But if it's the end of the day, decaf. I, I, really, I want that. I want a vanilla latte. That's what, I, I, that's what I hope for. I hope for a vanilla latte. I don't have it. But you know what I have? I have in my pocket a $5 bill. That's what I have. What I hope for is the vanilla latte. What I've got is the $5 bill. The $5 bill is, in Jake's words, the instrument of exchange. The $5 bill is what I am going to hold on to, and I can take that $5 bill, and I can walk up to the counter at the press or at the Starbucks or wherever, and I can exchange it for what I hope for. It is something. It isn't what I'm really hoping for, but it's not f without value. And in fact, I can't really have what I'm hoping for without bringing that thing of value that I have so that I can make that exchange. Your faith is like that $5 bill. It is immensely valuable. It is the instrument of exchange that will allow one form or another of God's goodness to come your way. Come on, say that phrase again, by faith by faith. I mean, even the, the most basic goodness that we all desperately need, the goodness of, of being right with God comes by faith. Romans 5.1, it says, therefore, by faith I am justified and have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Anyone grateful for the peace with God that you have? It is by faith that that goodness of God came your way. That faith was all you had and it allowed you to receive all that he had for you. And, and so by faith becomes incredibly important for any of us. It is the instrument of exchange by which we are able to grab hold of God's goodness in whatever form. And I'm not saying it's automatic. I'm not saying that there won't be delay. I'm not saying that there won't be a challenge to figure out how do I get to the counter? How do I keep carrying this $5 bill? Yes, there, there's challenge about it, but it's incredibly important that we get it. Like, for example, remember, it's about the tension of where I am right now and where I'm hoping I would be. And maybe some of us would say, right now, I'm not, I'm not feeling like I'm right with God, but I can get right with God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We already established that. For someone else right now, you might say, I'm not really free right now, but you can get free by faith in the power of God who is the ultimate liberator. Someone else, you might say, I'm, I'm not feeling very courageous right now, but you can get courage by the power of God who gives strength to the weak. You, you might say to yourself right now, I'm not feeling very encouraged, but you can get encouragement from the Lord by faith, leaning into him with a little bit of trust and receiving the encouragement he has for you. Somebody else, you might say, I'm not healed right now, but you can get healed by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is your great physician. Someone say, by faith by faith. This is my challenge. I, I want to stay in step with the Holy Spirit, and, and I want to I form my life 
in faith or around faith in God's faithfulness. That is what I'm made for. That is what I desire. That is what I want. Yeah. Yeah, so I remember a time a, a number of years ago, many of you have probably grown tired of hearing me talk about this, but I struggle with this illness called neurofibromatosis. And I've tried every remedy under the sun, and, and, and it's, it's not for lack of any of your kindness towards me that I still struggle with this. Like, it, you know, so, someone in our church once gave me a year's supply of the essence of a Venus flytrap to help me d- deal with this condition. And, and I took all of it, right? And that's just one of many things that I've tried. Anyway, I still uh, contend with this. But uh, there was this one time when I was going to be having a surgery and so I asked the church body hey would you pray for me and uh, a bunch of people were laying hands on me and praying God would you heal John would you heal him would you zap those tumors out of his body and I loved it and I was standing there shaking and I was shouting amen amen but then it kind of came to a lull and this other guy raised his voice and he said with a big loud voice God would you help John to accept his illness God, would you help John to accept the pain? And, and I, I felt angry. I was like, I'm not, I'm not saying amen to that. No. <laughs> I, I, I'm accepting it already all by myself. I actually don't need you to pray for me for that. Like, I, I actually don't need any help to accept it. It's already accepted. I need you to pray for healing. I want you to believe God for something on my behalf. I want you to bring your $5 bill up to the counter and say, I'd like a latte, please, for this guy over here. Right? Like, I, I want to be someone who forms my life around faith in God's faithfulness, both for my own good and for the good of whoever else I might be able to pray for or have an encounter, uh, bring a God encounter to because of just simply responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. It's so crucial that we would develop, we'd cultivate, we'd strengthen this ability to say, God, I trust you. God, I'm relying on you. God, my confidence is in you. I'm not settling for just what seems logical. I am pressing in for what seems illogical, almost impossible, because that's what you alone can do. That's what faith and by faith alone can be obtained. And, and so uh, I, I want to take you to the scriptures in Matthew chapter 21 for a moment. So you can open up to Matthew 21 in this moment. And, you know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus talks a lot about faith. It, it comes up again and again. And, and sometimes when Jesus sees people trusting and relying on God and, and believing, he's amazed by their faith. And he, he says so. And says uh, things like, your faith has made you well. And then other times, he's also amazed by people when they just don't really have much faith at all. And, and it says that he, he's amazed at their lack of faith. Right? So either which way, he's, he's amazed by faith or the lack of it. <laughs> but in Matthew 21, there's this moment that, yeah, it, it's a little bit shocking actually, but it's one of these Jesus moments that, hmm. Got to just pay some attention to. So Matthew 21, uh, Jesus is walking along uh, around the temple area, probably heading back towards, uh, towards the city. And it says in, in verse 18, early in the morning, as Jesus was on his way back to the city, he was hungry. Seeing a fig tree by the road, he went up to it and found nothing on it except leaves. And then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again immediately the tree withered and when the disciples saw this they were amazed how did the fig tree wither so quickly they asked and Jesus replied truly I tell you if you have faith and do not doubt not only can you do what was done to the fig tree but also you can say to this mountain go throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done if you believe you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer this moment is one of those moments that kind of might catch you off guard. I know somebody right now is going, wait a minute, why did he do that to that fig tree? Somebody who's like an arborist or a plant lover is really hurting right now over this thing that happened. And and all I got to say is out of the gate is I'm so grateful for Pastor Donovan's message last week where he talked about the fact that that kindness doesn't exactly translate into being nice all the time because this moment is not in the category of nice. You know, it just isn't. I mean, it isn't. He he literally cursed a fig tree. 
But you need to just understand, big picture, Jesus is, is taking an inanimate object, and yes, uh, I, I'm sorry, but I, I consider plants to be inanimate objects. They don't have a soul. <laughs> and he takes this inanimate object and uses it as an illustration, an object lesson, to get a point across. And, I mean, on the surface level, it's just obvious. I mean, this is Jesus being hangry, right? I mean, it said it. He was hungry. He wanted food. There's a fig tree. From a distance, hey, it's got leaves. He walks right up to it. It's no figs on it. And he was uh, not happy about the fact that it didn't have the figs that he needed. But it wasn't really about the figs. It wasn't even really about his hunger. It was about what he was trying to teach his disciples about the spiritual climate of uh, the religious people of his day. I mean, I mean, that's really what this moment is about. And, and Jesus is, in a sense, speaking by a, a prophetic parable. That's what this moment really is. And he's illustrating that there, there's an expectation and, and a desire that he has that those who claim to know God would, would actually bear fruit. And he's, you, know, you, you, you hear about it later in his, in his teaching, but it's about the religious people, the religious leaders of his day, that from a distance they looked the part, they had the long flowing robes, they'd wrapped the boxes around their wrists and bowed down low and did all the chanting and did all of the temple stuff really, really, really well. But they didn't have the, the fruit that Jesus was really looking for in his people. And that is the capacity to rely on and have a confidence and a trust in God that actually brings something about in this world. That's what Jesus is looking for. It's what he's looking for in my life and in yours. I want to take you back to this moment in Matthew 21. Again, in verse 20, uh, 21 and 22, just, just hear it again. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it'll be done. If you believe, you'll receive whatever you ask for in prayer. This is one of those moments where I think Jesus is giving us some insight into the way things work in the spiritual realm that is kind of mind-blowing. And, and sometimes we, we want to resist and say, no, it's Jesus. He's the one who moves mountains. But he's saying, yeah, but actually my goal is that you would become somebody who learns how to move mountains too. That when Jesus walked on top of the storm and the wind and the waves and spoke and said, peace be still, and the storm stopped, he wasn't doing it so that we would just go, wow, Jesus. But he was doing it so that we would see an example of what a life totally relying on the power of God, having confidence in the power of God, trusting in the power of God could actually bring about. And in this moment, he's putting words to it. He's saying, listen, if you had just a little bit of faith, you could do the fig tree thing if you wanted to, but you could even do more. You could speak to a mountain, and it would move into the sea. And I wonder if, if it's not too much of a stretch to say it, it, it isn't just about physical mounds of earth and rock, but it's about the mountains that, that seem to present themselves in our lives. The mountain of depression that seems to be so large that it blocks out the sunlight and we feel trapped in the darkness. I wonder if that's the kind of mountain or one of the kinds of mountains that Jesus is saying, I want you to believe for that to be moved. And with a little bit of faith, you could say to that mountain, mountain of depression, move in Jesus' name. Mountain of depression, you're still there. I don't know what you're still doing there. I said move in Jesus' name. And for somebody else, you're not dealing with depression, but you've got this, this mountain of debt in front of you and you feel like it's just going to crush your life and you don't know how you're ever going to survive this thing and you don't know how there could ever be a better future for you but what if what if you could just have a reliance on God a trust in God a confidence in who your heavenly father really is in such measure that you could say mountain of debt move in Jesus name 
and, and that doesn't mean that it's magic. It doesn't mean that you're not also going to have to right-size your budget and get on a plan and all of that. Yes, of course, but undergirding it, empowering it, giving the fuel for it is this prophetic declaration. Move, mountain of debt in Jesus' name. You've got this mountain of relational wreckage in your family because of the things that he did, she did, they did, whatever. And you feel like it's just that this thing's going to just crumble and crush us all. But what if you, you could dig into this place inside of your spirit where you could say, my God is reliable. My God is faithful. He never stopped being faithful. And so I'm going to command this mountain of pain in the relationships to move in Jesus' name. And I don't know if mountains move like the snap of a finger. I I am guessing that sometimes mountains can move that way, but other times mountains may even shift and move in a way that at first could be imperceptible, but is nonetheless taking place. And I want to form my life around faith in God's faithfulness. But what that means is that I'm going to have to lean into the moments where there's an impossibility and a terrible difficulty and an insurmountable challenge and say to that insurmountable mountain of challenge, move in Jesus' name. I want you to just try this phrase on for a moment and say, mountain, move in Jesus' name. Say it. Mountain, move in Jesus' name. And I don't know what your mountain is, but I do know that my Jesus wants you you to have a strength that would rise up in you that would capacitate you to speak to it that it would move and that you would find victory and that you would be one that would be added to the Romans or Hebrews 11 list that you would be one more of the 30 that are mentioned there that by faith overcame one challenge after another I formed my life around the uh, the faithfulness of God Faith in, in, in God's faithfulness. It's what I do. You know, this, uh, this group of guys I was with this week were, was, were asking me, we're talking about, you know, memories from a long time ago, and I mentioned about how, you know, they were talking about fishing, and I said, yeah, yeah, I, I, did, I dealt with halibut when I was working in the commercial fishing up in Alaska. <laughs> That's a conversation starter, right? So, like, wait, wait, so, wait, wait, you, you, you did that thing? Well, you know, and yes, that thing where people my age back in the day, there were bulletin boards in, in, at college that, you know, would say, like, make $50,000 fishing in Alaska, and you tear off the little thing, and it was a phone number, and you called the phone number, because remember, the internet didn't exist yet. Yes, I'm dinosaur status, but the, 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 you call the number, you get the book, the book says, yep, here's what you do, here's how you can get a job, but I, I I went to, you know, Seattle. No one there at the Fisherman's Wharf going up to Alaska would hire me. So I hitchhiked up to, up to Alaska to Anchorage, and I ended up working in a cannery, cutting off fish heads every day, 12 hours a day. It was brutal. And then finally I got a job working in the, uh, in, in the actual fishing industry, fishing for salmon with a commercial fishing operation. It was epic, and I did not make $50,000. That was a lie. But, I mean, I made like eight or nine. It was still good, but... But, you know, I was, I was talking about this experience and, you know, and, you know yes, I was living in the, in the woods in, in a tent city for three and a half months in Alaska. And, yes, in, in Seattle, I was sleeping in the bushes for a week and a half while I was going to the fisherman's wharf every day begging fishermen for a job. And, yes, it was all. And, and the guys I was talking to were asking me, I mean, that sounds kind of rough. You were sleeping in the bushes. Are you glad you did that? And I said, Absolutely. Yes, I'm glad I did that. I'm glad I did that because it taught me I can do hard things. I can do things that I don't have any experience doing. I can do things that seem ridiculous and still survive. And I can do things that seem to not make much sense and make it through it on the other side with a story to tell. And I have a few more. (laughs) But, but, you know, I was thinking about it today. It's not just that that I did things that were hard. It was that God was faithful to me. I've been thinking about it all day. Like, yeah, I told those guys about what had happened up there as though it were just 
what I came up with. But I was starting to think about how God was so faithful, all these different moments where one time I was, I was living in the woods and this lady came by with her car and gave me a week's worth of groceries to cook up for myself when I didn't have anything and I'm living in the woods in a tent, you know? I'm thinking about, uh, you know, being alone in, in, the, in the pitch darkness with no one to turn to and opening up this little tiny traveler-sized Bible because, again, there was no smartphone with a Bible on it to carry everywhere and reading these scriptures and feeling the comfort of God come to me when I was desperate and alone and I, I kept remembering all of these things and, and, and really that whole story in that chapter of my life is about God's faithfulness to me and when, when, you, when you choose to form your life around faith in God's faithfulness, you've got a foundation that you can build on. You've got a foundation that will allow you to weather the storms. You've got a foundation that will give you the strength you need for whatever kind of VUCA comes your way. And it's what we each need to form our lives around faith in God's faithfulness. But there's a, a moment that the psalmist speaks of where it's like, God, have you forgotten about me? I mean, in so many different words, in Psalm 77, the first 10 verses or so, it's the psalmist saying, this is terrible, this sucks. But then there's a transition, and this moment happens, and it's in, in verse 10, it says, then I thought, that's an important phrase, then I thought, as in, I don't have to keep on thinking the same thing. <laughs> then I thought, as in, I don't need to keep on meditating on how bad everything is, because that's true, but I, I'm allowed to change my stream of thought. Then I thought, just somebody say, then I thought. I think right now, this is the, 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 the magic word for somebody. And by that, I mean a Holy Spirit, God-ordained word. <laughs> don't worry, I don't believe in magic. I just mean that it's something powerful from God for you. Then I thought, you can do that too. That is what somebody needed to hear today more than anything else. Just that, then I thought, oh, yes, you can. Okay, then I thought, to this I will appeal the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. Oh, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. God, your ways are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. You are the God who performs miracles. You are the God who performs miracles. Say it with me. You are the God who performs miracles. Say it with me. You are the God who performs miracles. Say it one more time. You are the God who performs miracles. Now think about that mountain again. And maybe she has a name. Maybe they have a description. Maybe it has a sentence that you've been thinking about. But would you think about it again? And would you just say this overarching statement over that mountain? That, that is not as immovable as it looks because you are the God who performs miracles. Say it again. You are the God who performs miracles. And so I'm going to form my life around faith in God's faithfulness. And that means that I'm not giving up. That means I'm not backing down and for, you know, considering this thing a lost cause, I am going to keep on trusting God. I'm going to keep on relying on God. I'm going to keep on having confidence in my God. And that's going to change me to being a person who is reliable because I'm experiencing a life of reliance on God. So I just want to make sure that all of you hear this loud and clear, that God has demonstrated a way for you to be right with him. And, and this is that, that uh, Romans 5.1 reality that uh, by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a, a statement. I said it, you know, 15 minutes ago, but I just want to make sure I touch on that again because if this is all new for you, maybe you just joined us online for church and you're just kind of checking this out or maybe you're here today and uh, <laughs> you're still trying to put the pieces together. This is the biggest piece of them all. And it's that there's a way to be right with God and peace with God. And it's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
none of us who are a part of this church are right with God because we cleaned up our act well enough or figured out how to do enough, you know, cool religious things. It has nothing to do with that. I mean, yes, God wants to do the growing in our lives as we go. And yes, it's great to, you know, learn how to sing worship songs and pray out loud and all that great stuff. But when it's all said and done, you're, you're peace with God. You're being right with God, justified it comes through faith, by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only claim any of us online or on this patio right in this moment have is that we, we woke up and said yes to Jesus. <laughs> That's it. And the rest is all his work, all his gift to us, and it's free. And so I want to pray for somebody right now that, that you would have that awakening too. Because I want you to live with the same goodness I live with, which is waking up every day knowing I'm forgiven. I have a home in heaven. I live with the power of God, and I can still keep getting up and overcoming whatever challenge. And I can still keep believing my God and, and getting a, a little bit more towards the victory that I'm believing for today than I did yesterday. That is possible. I want it for you. And so if you've never said yes to Jesus, I'm praying you will. And so this is the dynamic that has happened for so many of us. It's just, this is one verse that kind of describes it. Acts chapter 16, verse 30. It, it says, uh, he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? It's a good question. Being saved is about forgiveness of sin and welcome into the, uh, the kingdom of God for all eternity and the power of God, the hope of God. What must I do to be saved? It's a good question. And the answer was simple. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household, believe in the Lord Jesus. And if, if a bunch of, uh, of grumpy religious people want to add a lot to that list or put an asterisk and say, yeah, yeah, well, not really, though, because first you have to do this, that, and this, another thing, and something else. No. The scriptures say, believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. And yes, God will take you on a journey from there on out where you will grow and be changed and sanctified and all that good stuff. But it just starts with... Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. I'm grateful that in his faithfulness, God made it so simple. Like to put the first rung of the ladder right where any of us could get to it. So let's just take a moment and pray. We'll pray in a couple different ways. But first, I just want to pray for someone who needs to wake up spiritually and believe on the Lord Jesus and be saved. So let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for your faithfulness. It's the foundation that we can build our lives on. And Lord, I pray that in this moment, there would be a spiritual awakening that would take place for somebody, somebody online at home or in a car and somebody uh, in person right here on the patio. God, that there would be a, a, an awakening spiritually right now. And for somebody, it's, it's going to be almost like as though there's an alarm clock going off and, and the, the lights are flashing on it or the buzzer is going off and, and you can almost feel the vibration in your chest and it's like the Holy Spirit going, yes, I love you. I want you to receive the gift of forgiveness and welcome into the kingdom of God. And it's a gift. And like any other gift, at some point, you got to kind of wake up and say, thank you. I'll receive it. And, and so right now in this moment, while we're praying together, if you would say, I don't know where I stand with God. I want to be right with God. The scripture that you've heard says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And, and so... If you are in person, I'm going to ask you if you want to receive Jesus to raise your hand. Or if you're with us online, I want you to type into the comments, I want to believe in Jesus today. And if, if you're with me in person, you're saying, I want to say yes to Jesus. Right now, you raise your hand and raise it high. And again, if you're joining online, then type it into the comments. I want to say yes to Jesus. Raise your hand or type it into the comments. And in this moment, I want you to pray with me and say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. Everything starts there. It just doesn't have to be a lot more complicated than that. The scripture I read didn't make it more complicated than that. So in this moment, turn from your sin. Turn from the shame and the guilt of it all and the shadows of it all. Just turn from it and turn to Jesus right now and say, Jesus, I'm turning from my sin and I'm turning to you. Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? And, and again, if that's you and for the first time you're saying yes to Jesus, I want you to raise your hand really high so I can see you or type into the comments, I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for new life. Thank you for giving us the gift of new life. Thank you for forgiveness and salvation. 
Thank you for justification. Thank you for being, making a way to, for us to be right with God through the Lord Jesus by faith. Thank you, Lord. And now I want to pray, Father, for some of us, uh, just where there really are still some intense mountains that are in front of us. God, I pray for an impartation right now in this moment of faith, of a, a deep, almost ineffable, can't even put it into words, kind of a ability to just trust you. I pray for that. I pray for that to be released. I pray for that to be imparted. I pray for that to just come about for some right now, that, that we would leave differently than we came and that we would, we would have our heads higher because our spirit has determined, I believe that God is able and I have faith in his ability to do what would otherwise be impossible. So Lord, I pray for that kind of faith to be on the rise all around us, in each one of us. I pray for somebody who's sitting at home right now, God, uh, feeling desperately alone and lonely to suddenly right now have an awareness of, of your angelic host just surrounding. And I pray that there would be today, uh, in this very moment, today, there would be text messages and emails and phone calls and knocks at the door that would be evidence that God saw that loneliness and the, the whisper that came from the heart that was hurting and brought the comfort in the form of people. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, I pray for some of us who need, uh, need to see the mountain move a little bit more quickly because it's, it's, it's like we haven't seen it move hardly a budge at all. God, I pray that you would do something miraculous and that we'd see it. Lord, I pray that there would be uh, a reuniting for somebody for whom that is the mountain where it seems like the division is too, uh, too wide I pray for a reuniting and, and where the mountain for somebody else is, is relational brokenness God I pray and we join together and we command that mountain of relational brokenness to move in Jesus name and here's what I see the moment I just said those words out loud I, I see like balm, a salve being applied right out of the, from the hand of God over the people involved and healing coming, healing coming into the relationships with the mountain of the division and strife had to be moved first. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Holy Spirit, what else do you want to do in this moment? Is there anything else that's particularly on your heart for any of us in this moment? Anything that you want to touch, speak to, we're yours, we're gathered in your name. So I want to pray for somebody, uh, for healing in your hands. Uh, it's like intense pain, I don't know if it's arthritis or neuropathy or something, but just intense pain in your, in your fingers and your hands, right up into your, uh, your, your joints in your hands. And if that's you, if you feel like, man, that's the kind of pain that I've been living with and I need God's touch in my body, would you just raise your hand? I just believe that God wants us to pray for somebody's hands to be healed. Okay, right over here, keep your hand up. That's great. Thank you for raising your hand to be prayed for. Anyone else? I don't want to miss you. A couple of people with a hand raised. Lord, would you bring your touch to these ones who have pain in the hands, whether it's neuropathy or arthritis or whatever. But specifically, Lord, I pray for right now a release of your healing power in the name of Jesus so that uh, fists can be made again, so that grabbing can happen again, so that grasping and holding on can happen again. And so those of you who had your hand raised, I want you to just give it a try right now. Like grab your own hand for a second and grab and see the strength coming back into your grip and feel the relief from the neuropathy. And, and I just want you to assess it for a second. Like did God touch you? Did he bring relief to your physical body? Did he bring strength back? Did he remove the inability to move the way you're supposed to? Did he touch you? If so, I want you to raise both of your hands and just say, God touched me and I can feel it in my body. He did it. He touched me. And if he didn't, we keep on praying. Lord, would you keep on bringing your touch? Would you keep on bringing your touch so that relief would come? Lord, we pray that your relief would come. And if you're, if you're joining online and you're 
you've experienced God touching you, would you type into the comments, he healed my hand just now. And let it be known, testify what the Lord has done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What else do you want to do, Lord? What else do you want to do, Lord? As soon as I ask, what else do you want to do, Lord? I see this, this uh, spiritual you know, vision of a, like a falcon just kind of just suddenly launching off the, the side of the mountain and just soaring, soaring. And, and I believe it's a picture of what God wants for somebody, where you, you felt like you've had to strive so much. You felt like you've had to, you know, flap your wings so much. Like that this, this was a picture of no flapping of any wings at all. It was just soaring. And if you could go with me for just a moment on this, it's even more than that. And this might not apply to everyone, but it's for somebody at least. It's that God wants you to be able to rise with him to a place of a different kind of perspective. Up close, it just seems so giant. It just seems so terrifying. It seems so larger than life. But as you soar with him, as you rise with him, it's just not that big of a deal from, from this vantage point. So Lord, would you allow that uh, to be received by somebody? And, and if it's you, you, you'll know it. You'll, you'll know. The language that I just used, the kind of thing, you'll know, oh, that was from the Lord for me. And you just say, God, thank you, I received that. If that was for you, God, thank you, I received that. And I rise right now with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Is there anything else you want to do in this moment that, that we should lean in for? Anything else, Lord? I just believe that maybe God wants us together to, to stand up and, and pray uh, as one body uh, for kind of the larger world around us. <laughs> Couple of things, no surprise here, but coronavirus, economy, elections. We just need to pray for a moment. Okay, we're, we're almost done, but if you're at home, you, you could stand up too, or sit up at least, but let's pray together. God, we wanna pray for our nation. And Lord, we pray first right now for a defeat of the coronavirus. And so we really do. God, we pray for a defeat of the coronavirus in the mighty name of Jesus. Lift your voice and pray with me. Don't leave me hanging here. You just lift your voice. God, we pray that that mountain of coronavirus would move in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we bind the evil spirits that have empowered the coronavirus. In Jesus' name, we shut down the stronghold of coronavirus sickness. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we bind every lying spirit that has empowered fear in people about coronavirus. In Jesus' name, we take our stand in the mighty power of God and declare that the name of Jesus is mightier than a pandemic, mightier than a disease, even though it's novel. We say no to coronavirus in Jesus' name. Come on, just join me and say it. I say no to the coronavirus in Jesus' mighty name. It shall not be a plague that destroys our communities. We shut down this coronavirus scourge in the mighty name of Jesus for the sake of our valley, for the sake of our region, for the sake of our state and our world. We take our stand. We ask your blessing, God, on every scientist and doctor who's working on cures and protocols and treatments. Yes, we want all of that. But we also want the spiritual power that has undergirded this thing to be shut down in Jesus' name. And just join me and just say, I come against that in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the one who is able to do anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, we pray too for uh, the, the pandemic situation, Lord, where it seems like there needs to be some new measurements, like measurements of uh, acknowledging that th there's less severity with this disease, less hospitalizations. And uh, we pray, Lord, that our decision makers would begin to say, we need to count that data too. And so we ask, Lord, for new decision-making rubrics to be developed so that there can be a, a confident sense that, hey, we've looked at new kinds of data and we don't need to be so crazy with these uh, measures. Lord, we're asking for it. God, we pray for our economy. Come on, join me. Don't get too spiritually weary. Come on, keep your stamina. Keep your spiritual stamina for a minute. We pray for our economy. We got brothers, sisters, men and women in our community whose businesses are struggling. Pray for them right now. Think of a business you love in this valley. Think of a business owner that you might know. Pray for them right now. Really, really, really. 
Pray for that person who owns that restaurant you like to go to. Pray for that person who's trying to run that service that is hard to do now. Pray for him, please. Pray for that one. God, we pray for the business owners, the people who are struggling, Lord, looking at what's gonna happen to what they've given their life to build up. God, would you bring a breakthrough, God? We pray for a covering of protection. We got people who are struggling because they don't have a state job. They don't have a government job. They do, they're, they're just dependent on how the economy is able to be used by God to bring livelihood. And God, we're praying for livelihood for people. For those who are hurting, Lord, that don't feel like they've got enough, Lord, we're praying for windfall. And I pray, God, that for people who do have the resources, that they'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hire that guy. I'm going to do business with that gal. And that they would do it and that it would lead to goodness coming through for each one. And so now, Lord, too, we want to pray for D.C. and the elections. Come on, we want to pray, Lord, that you would reign over the whole process of elections. And so where people have been crying, riots, riots, we say, no, in Jesus' name, civility, civility, in Jesus' name. We prophesy it, like Ezekiel prophesied the dry bones, civility, civility in the land. Come on, in Jesus' name, civility in the land. No matter what happens, civility. We end the riots in Jesus' name. We end the destructive childishness in Jesus' name. No, in Jesus' name. And we pray, God, that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven with regards to the election. In Jesus' name. And Lord, we pray for uh, what will happen in D.C. tomorrow night where a whole bunch of believers are gathering for a worship protest. Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord, that that's happening. And we pray, Lord, that there would be a glory of God that would emanate all throughout that whole place in D.C. and that people who don't even know the Lord would fall down just because of the power of God and come to know the goodness of Jesus. So, Lord, would you bring about revival in us, in us, and then in our nation and in our land, God, and make your kingdom known. Make your kingdom known. Make your kingdom known. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come.